Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to an exclusive interview with Hunter Jordan. We got a very special guest today, USA ball hockey coach and coach of the Pittsburgh Gods, one of, if not the best coach in ball hockey history, Mr. Corey Hirsch. Corey, how's it going? I'm great, Hunter. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, so let's just dive right into it. Um, how did you get into ball hockey, the sport, and how did you fall in love and get into the position that you are now? two younger brothers, uh, mom and dad both worked, didn't have a ton of money to play ice hockey, and um, like most people, whether you play ice hockey or you play roller or you play street, you wind up finding yourself with a ball or a puck, and half of you are on skates, half of you are on feet, you're playing in a parking lot somewhere near home, and we had a parking lot just two doors down, and we played daily, eventually um, we had our neighborhood community come together and organize a team to play at a local rink. And we had a lot of success that way here just amongst ourselves in the city. Um, from there, I think we you know, continue to um, grow, you know, grow up and play, whether it be in uh, local leagues that we found out about or whether it be in travel teams. If my brother joined a travel team, or once we found out there were tournaments in Penn Hills, Pennsylvania, and in Lemonster, Massachusetts, Niagara Falls, uh, I aged out around 16, and my brothers needed a coach. So the team wasn't going to exist anymore if I didn't. And our, our team was from the south side neighborhood of Pittsburgh, right in the inner city. And um, it was you know, kind of one of those things where you didn't want to see a south side team forward after a ton, ton of fun we had. And we wanted to help continue to provide some of those relationships that we built and experiences that we built playing for others. So I decided to just coach the team. And so ever since, it, it's kind of stuck. Here I am now, 39 years old and still doing it. It's kind of crazy how, like, a sport that used to be so unorganized where it just would be, you know, just get a bunch of friends, play a pickup game of hockey has turned into a pretty big sport now. Um, and I think it's growing even more and more each year. And um, wh how did you get with USA ball hockey? And what is your experience? What have your experiences been like with Team USA? Just to your point, I agree with you. I, I, when we found out back when I was younger that there was a rink with surfacing, that's when things really started to change because now there's a company out there or several companies out there who are providing equipment like Molex Shore, but now they're surfacing to play on. And I think once people started to invest in surfacing, they felt, well, we should probably do something with surfacing. So they started to organize leagues. And from there, when you found out there were rinks around the country, they decided to you know, start to play against one another. So... From there, we got involved, um, finding out, again, that there were tournaments all over the place. I was probably 18 years old, 19 years old, and I was coaching um, some of our neighborhood kids uh, within the city league that we had at the time. And um, the team was pretty good at 10, 11, 12 years old. Two or three of those guys still actually play for me now. John Roy Goodney, Jonah Jeff Kendrell player, were players at 10, 11, and 12 years old at the time uh, for the Margaret House Bulldog team that I coached back then, uh, part of the Southside neighborhood team that we, we had, we had traveled around the city. And we are pretty good. Um, we decided to travel out and see what we could do at other places. Went to Penn Hills and got waxed. Playing against Belmar, New Jersey, our very first game. It's kind of a rude awakening, but you learn from your mistakes. And you, you have to kind of learn how to lose. To be cliche, you, can, you have to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. And uh, we just kept plugging away, and from there, our guys got pretty good. We brought in some talented players throughout the city. It was a point where we had the guys were 13, 14, and 15 years old, and we had three teams. Team Pittsburgh inside had three different A or B league teams, if you would. It 
it was just kind of split. And uh, Steve Gregory, Ryan Nix, a couple guys that still play for the gods, just got an idea to really merge together. Uh, the, the, the kids themselves are 15, 14 years old, so kind of kind of rallied together and said, but why don't we mix all three of our teams together and see if we can get this thing to be like an elite team from Team Pittsburgh instead of three separate ones. And so the Team Pittsburgh organization got together, decided to ask me to coach. I, I agreed to do that. And as we had a lot of success nationally, um, you know, in 2006, Mark Madden and Chris Hauser's U.S. team won a gold medal in Estella, Italy. A lot of those guys aged out right afterwards, and my guys were just on the brink of being some of the top players, I guess you could call it, in that age group of the U-20s. And so uh, they were recognized, and we were recognized just because we competed well against some of Mark's Penn Hills players and some of Chris's Lemonster players. And I was asked to be an assistant coach on the 2017 that went to Vancouver, or, yeah, went to Vancouver, and then the 2018 that went to St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, and from there, I kind of just kind of worked my way up. Mark Madden himself became a GM of the junior team. And then eventually, uh, I wound up becoming the head coach in 2015 of the men's team. So it's kind of how it really worked out was, you know, finding out that there were tournaments that went around, risking our neck, putting it out there, taking some lumps along the way, but learning from them as well. And then, um, you know, eventually good things happened. Kind of going off, oh, what were you saying? I got lucky. Yeah. Because I've got a chance to see the world, and that's what we really want. I wish everyone could say. I wish everyone could say they got to play a game that has allowed them to see in the country or the world. Um, it's something that I'll always look back on and appreciate. On top of you know being able to go to my players' weddings because we we're like family, we're like brothers. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know those, those, those kind of things, those kind of memories that you make with these people are things that last forever. Uh, that's why I love the sport. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy the fact that. Like, this game has turned into something where you travel around the world and can really turn it into something. And it, another thing that's crazy is that, like, the number one, like, area in this country and, and one of the top areas in the world is in PA, like, in our state. Well, your hometown, Pittsburgh, and, like, two hours away from me, it's just crazy thinking that it's right here. to do with just NHL teams winning. Uh, we've been very fortunate here to have, obviously, you weren't alive to watch it, but, you know, Mario doing what Mario did drew me in. Uh, my uncle, uh, my uncle Frank Bickley would watch games when I would hang out with him and my his son Brian, my cousin Brian, and I adored those two, and being around them, they always had Mario on, they always had the pets on, and that's kind of how I got glued into it. Um, and it became a hobby for all of us, because we wanted to be like, you know, Mario and Yager, and we had a ton of just top-end talent NHL players to watch and to idolize. And if you look at the other parts of America that really thrive in ball hockey, uh, Massachusetts has had a lot of success with the Bruins. Um, you've got a lot of ball hockey being played in New Jersey. New Jersey's got high competitive hockey there. And the Devils had you know, great runs of, of cup run, great cup runs with Scott Stevens' teams. And so Marty Berdur. Yeah, with Marty Bodor. So I think when you have NHL teams who are, you know, having a lot of success and you're a kid who's interested in it, this is what you idolize. And, and, and playing ball hockey is one way you can emulate that. You can go outside and pretend you are these people. And for, for, for that, I think it's one of the reasons that these three hubs specifically is really big. And I, I think if you look at other places, Massachusetts is probably the more amazing one because ice hockey is so huge and dominant there that it's amazing 
that ball hockey has really shined through too, or that cocky, even you know more. Um, but that goes to show how many people in Mass really love this game, maybe ahead of any other. And then you look at like places like Detroit. Detroit and the Red Wings had great runs, but there's not, you know, you don't see ball hockey being played there too often. Again, it's an ice hockey. You know, Michigan's a very ice hockey-oriented state, so um, it, it, it's not that as heavy here in Pittsburgh. It's not as heavy in New Jersey. It's big, but there are other sports that are big too: football, basketball, baseball, and so. Um, it's really worked out. We'll, we, you know, we want to see it grow all over the place. That's what we're putting the work in here for at USABH. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite story from your experiences in the sport? Um, wow, that's a really hard question. Uh, there have been, uh, it's, it's hard not to say that since we've been so fortunate as a club team, um, to, to win our very first ever title, I'll never forget the celebration in the pile on the bulletin afterwards and um, beating you know, the Mark Madden Spend Hills Wizards in 2007 in the national championship. That's an incredible memory um, and one that I'll never forget. I still have the t-shirt that was passed out to the champions back then. Um, so you know, it's, it's hard to, to say exactly which one. I, I have to also say that being a part of um, the gold medal game in 2015 Ooh, in Switzerland is another one that's really hard. I mean, I, I, being a part of that game in itself, mm-hmm. it, it's so incredibly difficult to do. Um, and then to be so close to winning it, having a 3-1 lead going into the third period, uh, losing that 3-1 lead and then losing it in overtime after having chances to win it, is um, I think it's been a gut punch for several years. A lot of us had a difficult time getting over but you know, still honoring that silver medal and mm-hmm. being appreciative of that silver medal is, is something that I think I'll always cherish. I mean, those are just the on-rink you know, ones that I, I would have to say are up there. Um, winning a club championship here last year in front of our hometown with, you know, Red Light being there, Montreal Red Light having Alex Burrows on it. But there have been so many other great roads. Just the road trips with the guys. Um, you know, we've had barbecues of basketball tournaments and just those relationships in itself so it's really hard to say there's any one memory um there have been a ton of times we've had a chance to laugh and goof around or um just uh you know build our camaraderie together and our rapport together that's created really the 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 the, the good um atmosphere we have within our family yeah um like you said with that silver medal game in 20 well when you lost the gold and won silver yeah yeah. I remember I brought that up the first time I ever spoke to you, and you said that it was a, a gut punch, and that's not yeah. something real fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Uh, because you just don't know when you when you'll ever get back there. Um, you're gonna continue. We're gonna continue to strive to get there, um, and that's always going to be a goal of ours is to is to win the gold medal. Um, but at the same time, you, you know, how Slovakia has done it four times blows my mind in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, in a row, and so it's just it, that's mind blowing in itself because it's it's not easy, and they haven't had an easy pass um, to, to to win that many. But um, yeah, we'll we'll keep putting the work because it's not going to kill you. You know, you, again, you learn from those mistakes and you set those goals and you strive to improve so you can reach those. And um, there's been a lot of cases in our lives, my life in particular, where something you were, your back was against the wall. Someone maybe even told you you couldn't do it. And you just strive. You, just, you you make that you 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 overwill it to happen. So we're going to continue to put our will into it, and and the standard has been set at that day, and uh, we we won't take anything less. Um, 
at school, I talk about ball hockey a lot with my friends because we have like we have like our own little team. We just get together and we play a lot. And um, but a lot of people don't know what it is. For, so for the people that don't know what it is, can you explain what it is and the differences between ball hockey and ice hockey? Yeah, and you're exactly located. Is it Erie, Pennsylvania? Yep, uh, about thirty minutes out of outside of Erie. Yes. So you guys are huge Connor McDavid fans there too. For oh the yeah. Waters, right? Yeah, uh, we like. I remember uh, the days when we were stacked. You know, we had Connor McDavid, Dylan Strome, Alex DeBrincat, Connor Brown, Devin Williams, like so many top guys. Like every weekend, like my dad would be like, "Oh yeah, we're going to the Otters game on Saturday." And we went all the time, and it was always packed. So that kind of was another big motivation for me to get into it because, like, uh, I haven't been around ice hockey long enough. I mean, I've been around it, but I, with if you want to go far in ice hockey, you have to play from a like a little little kid age, and I didn't have that. So that was a big reason for me getting into ball hockey. But um, yeah, back to you. No, 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 that's good. Listen again. That's another example of. Why your influence, right? It's fun to watch Connor McDavid play hockey. He just had three goals, I think it was last night. Uh, number two just blew through the team. So being able to watch that helps you to fall in love with it. And here you are trying to, you know, grow the game as a youngster in your in your region. You know, you're a young guy who's trying to even build his own team. So uh, for anyone who wants to join your team that plays ice hockey, is like, well, what is this sport? Um, we say it's ice hockey without the ice, and you throw in some shoes. So if you can mix together. Maybe a little bit of lacrosse, maybe a little bit of soccer, maybe a little bit of basketball with all hockey rules. Then you're gonna find ball hockey. Rule-wise, um, obviously, you know, shoes and a ball, right? So that's the obvious. But when it comes to rule-wise, your offsides is similar. You have to gain the blue line. Um, Difference is because rinks sometimes are smaller than ice hockey rinks, or just because it's easier to stop on a dime and run and change direction than it is when you're skating. So you want to have more offensive zone. Then the offensive zone opens up to the red line. You gain the blue line, and then your offense opens up to the center line. In order to um, have the ball exit your zone, the defense has to clear across the center line. So, you know, those are a couple differences just in ice hockey and ball um, rule-wise. But everything else is pretty standard. It is less there's contact, but there's no fighting. Um, again, I think you could you could really risk more injury and damage to the game with the fights. You'll have fights at some of the highest level, um, but there's no fighting once you get below like the tier one or the A-League level hockey. Um, and in a game, you're you're getting ejected from the game for fighting anyway. So you don't see that. Um, even though the NHL is really kind of... Yeah, yeah the NHL is like, kind of cracking down on fighting. Yeah. Um, they've also, if I'm not mistaken, I think two years ago I, I also heard that they were in, in their rules discussions talking about how they can open up the game for more offense if they were looking into using what we call floating blue line as their offsides as well. So it would be very interesting if the NHL ever really did move to a floating blue line and continued to crack down on icing because then you'd have practically the exact same sport we have minus the ice and add the tennis shoe involved. So it is. I mean, everything else is pretty much pretty much dead on. Uh, there's there's checks. It's, not, it's illegal to check, but there's a lot of physical contact. Um, and you'll have You'll have the hits from behind that go to the penalty box. But when it's a shoulder-to-shoulder, open ice, you know, contact, or open ring contact, it's a penalty. A lot of contact, more or less, along the wall where you're really initiating with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, you take away the fighting, um, you change up the, the, the offsides rule just a bit, 
and uh, a check is a rough. You go to the penalty box, although, like I said, there is some, some physical contact that occurs. Mm-hmm. That's it. Everything else is. Welcome back to part two of the interview with uh, Corey Hirsch, and we have a couple more questions. And one question that uh, a lot of people have wanted me to ask you was, how can one try out or become a part of Team USA? Yeah, um, good question. Really good question, and I think more people should know. Uh, we're looking for players who have the highest level of pedigree. So, if there's players in your area and area that can can ball, we want to see them. Um, the tricky part is how, right? So we have to be able to see you play. We've got each of our national teams have general managers and assistant general managers, scouts to help those general managers um, work the landscape and recruit some players. Um, just keeping an eye on several leagues. Coaches get involved in that as well. Head coaches and assistant coaches on all the national teams. And once you see a player playing really well in a league, you pick them up to play on the travel team. You try to get them to play on the travel club team because that's when you can really see whether or not the person has the high le- highest level of ability to play the game. Um, playing in leagues is great. It's a startup. And I'm sure some leagues are really, really competitive. Uh, playing in the men's NBHL is going to be pretty competitive. But at the end of the day, tournament landscape is where you want to be if you want to be recognized. So if you're a player that's not on a team that travels, let's get you to one. You know, email us at info at usaballhockey.com. Um, tell us, your, you know, your parent or have your parent email us. Um, and let's try our best to get you on a team in your area um, that competes at these tournaments. And if not, you can't find a team that competes at these tournaments. We've had kids come out. And, and join us at one of our tryout camps before in the past just to see uh, what they were like because it really is unfair to a lot that don't have a club team to play for or a club organization, affiliated organization to play for. So we've invited a time or two out. Some of our general managers have traveled to you know the Bronx, for example, and watched kids play in some of the Bronx in-house leagues, the Jewish community centers, things like that. So you know, if we find out about you, there's a smaller chance that we can get a general manager to you. But if we find out about you and you don't have a team, you know, reach out to us and we'll see if we can make it work. Um, most, most players are really, really recruited from the tournaments that, that, that hit running, hit the ground running here in the springtime and moving into the summer. And another thing for a lot of listeners, if you are from around Erie, I am trying to start up a team because I haven't had the luxury of playing for a travel team and um, I really want to so I can get my name out there more. Um, so if you're in the Erie area, you can text me. I'm trying to start a team and play in tournaments in like Pittsburgh area. And, uh, but like what kind of what you explained is that's what I did when I was, when I came to like you guys asking about that stuff. Like I emailed like GMs and then got your number and started talking to you more about it. Yeah. And at the time you had reached out to us, we had already had our team picked. Right, so mm-hmm. um, it was just timing for that. It was off. The team was already selected. Camps were already um, going on and occurring. So we could to take a roster spot from somebody at that time would be you know, difficult to do because people have already invested a lot in. Not that you know you're the next Connor McDavid. We wouldn't accept you. We'd always find room. But um, I think that it, it is important to do what you did, and and that's how you grow the game. You risk it. You risk some time. You risk a lot of effort if you're really passionate about it. We have coaches and GMs that also go into the ice hockey world and try to, to, to watch ice hockey players who are at the top of their game and try to convince them to come over and try it, and uh, all are welcome. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll fill out our time here with Corey Hirsch. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. Maybe sometime in the future you can come on again. 100%.
able to, uh, if you don't make it in the pro ranks of hockey, you definitely got some journalism in you, and uh, I wish you the best of luck, too, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it.